Hello curious people, welcome to Explaining Science to My Dad, the podcast where I try to provide intelligent answers to my dad's silly science questions. I'm Lily, a physics graduate and science communicator. And I'm Lloyd, Lily's dad. I'm an English graduate, so I've got far fewer prospects than my daughter, and I'm a man who does not know as much about science as he sometimes thinks he does. Dad is always asking me to try and explain some silly science concept to him, so we decided to make a podcast so that you can listen in on our silly science conversations. And I'm not going to be trying to tackle his questions alone. Thankfully, I've enlisted the help of some proper experts. So, Dad, what's today's question? Well, Lily, the question comes from a newspaper story um, of a few weeks ago, um, and it was about plastic-eating enzymes. So the question was, can plastic-eating enzymes really save the planet? Is it? Dad, it is. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really uh, current question because it's very new research, the stuff that I think you've been reading about. But before we dive into that, we should probably start off with what is an enzyme? That would be helpful because I asked the question, I don't know what an enzyme is. So an enzyme is basically a a protein that catalyzes a reaction. Do you know what catalyzes means? Does that mean sort of makes the reaction happen? makes it happen faster okay so the reaction would be happening anyway but you when you put the enzyme in there it does something that makes the reaction happen more quickly and this happens a lot in living organisms um enzymes catalyze all sorts of things in our body the digestion of food the conservation and transformation of energy construction of cells and also they catalyze lots of things um in food production like fermentation of wine and leavening of bread and things like that so they're used all over the place and they work by by binding to the molecules that are reacting in the reaction that would happen anyway, the slower one, mm-hmm. and holding them basically in such a way that the chemical bond breaking and bond forming processes that happen in order for that reaction to happen, happen more quickly. And we say that they make the activation energy of the reaction lower, which basically means they lower the amount of energy that you need to put in to make the, to reaction, make the reaction happen. happen. Yep. Okay. So we can take uh, one example, because I think the thing about enzymes is they're all doing very different things to make these reactions happen and it's it's quite hard to visualize how they speed up a reaction without taking an example so we'll take protease which is a group of different types of enzyme in the body that speed up the breaking down of proteins that you eat into smaller polypeptides right or single amino acids which then have more uses in the body so they're basically making your the proteins that you eat into more useful things so if it's lego yeah. So it's basically breaking down the Lego into its constituent bricks so exactly. that you can make other things out of the bricks. You've eaten a Lego burger. Yeah. And Ouch. you're going to break down the Lego burger into the individual pieces of Lego. Such that your body can then use the pieces use to make things. new things. Exactly. And the way that they that proteins get broken down in the body is by hydrolysis, which is basically water breaks down the bonds. But that happens quite slowly because um, water is not super reactive. And so basically, you need to make it more reactive in order to make that happen more quickly. Uh, so if you've eaten your burger, yeah. your Lego burger, mm-hmm. it would eventually break down anyway yes. from the, by, by reacting with the water in your body. Exactly. But quite slowly. Well, with no protease, it would take hundreds of years to break down a protein. 
Right. But that's something that happens in kind of hours in your okay, body. Okay, right. So they can't, they can't initiate the reaction, but they can make the reaction faster. Exactly. And the way that happens, it happens in a couple of different ways with protease because they're like a different group of amino acids. They're not, there's not just one protease. But one uh, way is that a enzyme, a protease enzyme will bind to an acid and basically sort of point to that acid at the water molecule so that the water molecule gets polarity, which is we've, we've talked about before, mm-hmm. is when it gets more positive on one side and more mm-hmm. negative on one side. And because it's got that charge difference, it then becomes more reactive. And so the water molecule can go to the bond and one part of the water molecule will bond with one end of the bond, one, the other part of the molecule will bond with the other end of the bond. So the bond breaks because mm-hmm. now either thing at either end is bonded to water instead of each other. So it pulls it apart. Pulls it apart, exactly. So it, the enzyme itself wasn't involved in that pulling apart at all. It was just, just the water molecule. Just the conditions by which it But happened. it weighed the water molecule okay. more reactive. Okay. So generally that's what enzymes are doing. They're just wow, making... I never understood that before. That was, that was good. very good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Done my research. Yeah. Um, so then that's enzymes. Yeah. On to this week's question, which is using enzymes to break down plastics. Uh, so we've got a great contributor this week. He's called Daniel Acosta and he's from the University of Texas, Austin. And I'm pretty sure the research you just read about in the newspaper will be this research group. Okay. Um, because they recently created a great new enzyme for breaking down plastics that's... Um, going to have a lot of applications so here's daniel introducing himself and telling us a little bit about why it's so useful to use enzymes to break down plastics so my name is daniel acosta i'm a phd candidate in the microbiology program at the university of texas at austin and i study both the discovery of bacteria and enzymes that are able to depolymerize plastics or degrade plastics and then also how can we potentially engineer those systems to make them more useful for human purposes. So when you do traditional recycling or chemical recycling, you're not breaking down the plastics necessarily back to their original molecular level. So for example, with mechanical recycling, you're either heating or shredding plastic. um, And that means that the product that you get back at the end is of a lower quality. So you can only do that process so many times before that material is no longer usable. And then with chemical recycling, uh, one problem, it's very energy intensive. So it, it puts out a lot of CO2 emissions. And then also you don't have control over what you're doing. So you are breaking down the plastic at the more molecular level, but you have to kind of go back and sort out that material. And so what's really interesting and really advantageous about enzymes for recycling plastic is that the chemical products you get back at the end are identical to virgin plastic monomers. So in theory, for whatever percentage of material you're able to recover, you should be able to use that material infinitely for as long as you can keep recollecting it. So it's kind of different from traditional recycling in those two ways. And then in addition to that, another feature is that if you can combine this into systems that include cells, so you know we're able to, in industrial microbiology, engineer yeast and E. coli and other bacteria to produce a lot of valuable chemicals. Um, you know, insulin famously is produced from bacteria. If you could use waste plastic as a feedstock. So, you know, currently we use uh, refined sugars and other materials to feed the bacteria that produce these products. But, you know, with enzymatic recycling, it's compatible with cells already. So potentially not just be getting more plastic, but even turning plastic into other things. So so basically, so what I think he was saying there was that the the traditional recycling processes, they kind of grind stuff down, but you don't get back what you put in. Exactly. You in don't break place. you don't break the plastics down to their perfect constituents parts that allow you to rebuild the plastic again. So does that mean I mean plastics famously are, you know, mainly consuming as I understand it made from 
And they're basically made from oil, aren't they? They're basically mm -hmm. made from um, fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. um, does that mean you get the fossil fuels back, or does it mean you get the? I don't think so. I think I think that it... you don't get oil back. Yeah, because I I think you extract the things to make That's plastic right. from product. the oils. It's a product, so you get it? the thing that you've extracted yeah, yeah. rather than the oil. I've itself. been reading about coal mining this week uh, for uh, my other podcast. And um, yeah, um, other podcast. Do you want to plug it? Yeah, Curiosity Specific Book Club. It's great. Check it out. Thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was reading about coal mining and all the different things you get from coal, um, and it's similar with oil, right? So if you if you refine it, you get all these sort of byproducts, and one of those byproducts is what you make plastics from. Yeah, quite right. Well, uh, well remembered, well researched. Uh, so what then do we mean by plastic eating enzyme? Yeah, what do we mean by plastic it's, eating? It's a little bit clickbaity. It is a little bit. Because the enzyme's any, not eating, eating the anything. Plastic. Well, we like we've said before, the enzyme itself, by by nature of being an enzyme, is actually not involved in the reaction. It's just it up. Well, I think one of the reasons it's a powerful metaphor, though, isn't it, is that one of the reasons for asking this question, because there was uh, there was another story or several stories in the last couple of weeks about plastics. Um, I read a thing about how plastic recycling doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. and it's actually a little bit of a scam by the plastics industry to make people think that plastics aren't so bad that you can recycle them. Yeah. But actually, most plastic recycling, he kind of said it there, you can only do it so many times. It's very, very energy intensive. Yeah. Um, and so most of the time it doesn't work. So most of the plastics you use during your day-to-day -day are actually freshly made plastics. Exactly. They've been made from yeah, yeah. fossil fuels. So, you know, the idea that you can never break plastics down properly, really, mm -hmm. you can't really recycle them properly. That's why the idea of an enzyme, a plastic-eating enzyme, is so powerful. Yeah, it's a good rebrand. Because like... it's essentially recycling, is what it is. It's just a different type of recycling. Yeah. But, yeah, rebranding it as plastic-eating enzyme, I think, is quite... Well, it's more than recycling, isn't it? Because it's like, the, his point was... When you break it down, you can use it to make other things. You don't yeah. get the same plastic out again. No, you I mean, can you, you can do that. Feeding, you can do that, but feeding you can it to bacteria. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So the plastic eating, then, what is that? It's just speeding up a process. The enzyme is just speeding up a process called depolymerization. Right. Which does occur naturally again because plastics do degrade, and that's what happens when they're degrading. But again, over a much longer time, much like our protease, which would take years to break down protein in our body without the enzyme. These plastics would t take years, hundreds of years so to break down. So what's a polymer? So a polymer is a very large molecule that's composed of lots of repeating subunits. So a chain. Right. Yeah. And then a monomer is a, a link in the chain. Mm. Yeah. So it will just, and it might be quite a complex link, that, the, the monomer itself, the individual link, but it's repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated. And polymers are all sorts of things. They're they're in plastics, their DNA is a polymer because it's it's repeating. So depolymerization is the process of taking your polymer, your chain, and breaking it down into the monomers, the links. Okay. Yeah. So that you can either use them, like Daniel said, as a feedstock or put them back together again and make a new plastic. Okay. So when you make the polymer in the first place, are you making it from monomers? Yes, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that's quite an energy intensive process, I think. So, as Daniel was saying there, the key advantage of this process over any other process of plastic recycling is that you're able to depolymerize the plastic into what he called its virgin monomers. Mm. So other processes, you might get something similar to the monomers back, you might get like a load, some of the monomers lumped together, but you won't get every single individual monomer that built that plastic. Right, so you're getting 100% so Back to our Lego analogy, is breaking it down to the yeah, brick, the, exactly. the, 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 the original bricks. Rather exactly, than the you've got every single brick, brick, yeah. 
But the enzymes that are used to do this are special. They're not just found naturally like protease. Um, they have to be engineered to do what we want them to do. So I'll let Daniel tell you how on earth you go about engineering an enzyme. So there's kind of multiple ways to engineer enzymes. Um, there's kind of, I can break it down into like two main strategies, two types of strategies. So enzyme is a type of protein. It's uh, enzyme is a protein that catalyzes a chemical reaction. And so that enzyme is encoded in DNA as a gene. And so when you want to do enzyme engineering, you're always going to start with your original gene, which is a piece of DNA encoding the sequence that will eventually produce the enzyme. And then from there, there are two ways to do it. So what we did fits into what I'll call the non-rational design, which is using artificial intelligence or directed evolution. You can kind of look for patterns via computer and then you can make changes to the DNA. And those changes in the DNA will then, when the cell produces the protein, create a new protein. So a way I like to think about it, a very useful metaphor, is you can think of enzymes and proteins like beads on a string. And so the DNA encodes the sequence for which beads you're gonna use to put together the protein. And what you're doing is at certain locations, you're swapping out those beads and that can change the function. Wow, AI and directed evolution. Yep, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Pretty phrases to conjure with. Yep. So um, there's lots of different enzymes for breaking down lots of different plastics is the other thing. So we, it's not just one enzyme that is gonna solve all of our problems. So let's take one example and hear about the research that you've been reading about which is the group that Daniel works in at UT Austin, and they've found an enzyme that breaks down PET plastic, mm. which you've probably heard of. So um, we create an enzyme, we call it FASTPETASE, which is an acronym for Functional, Active, Stable, and Tolerant uh, Petase. And so what PETASE stands for is it's a polyethylene terphthalate hydrolase, um, which is a specific kind of plastic. It's one of the most common plastics around. I think last year we produced something like over 50 million metric tons of it in the global market. And so what our enzyme does is it's able to completely depolymerize a wide variety of PET packages in as quick as like 24 hours, but also, you know, some of them take a little bit longer. And so what that enzyme is, is a couple years ago, I think 2016, 2018 time period, a group of researchers from Japan discovered this bacteria called Idionella sakaiensis. Um, and they found that it was able to grow on this polyethylene terphthalate plastic as its sole carbon source. So it's using that plastic as its sole source of energy for all of its metabolic processes. And um, many research groups have been trying to engineer this enzyme. So it's able to degrade plastic, but it's not very good at it. It's good enough for the bacteria to live, but it's not good enough that we could feasibly use this enzyme in its wild type form to do chemical or, or sorry, enzymatic recycling. And so what we did is we took artificial intelligence and we used that to analyze a bunch of known structures of proteins and look for patterns in those proteins. And then what we did is using those patterns, we analyzed the structure of the petase enzyme and it gave us some new mutations that when incorporated into the enzyme greatly improved both its stability and then its activity. So it made it more stable and it also made it able to degrade plastic much more quickly. And then I would say the next main thing about our process is just that it happens at a much lower temperature than a lot of these other enzymes. So there are other engineered enzymes that can degrade PET, um, but ours not only 
is one of the fastest ones, if not the fastest currently. It's also able to do that at 20 degrees Celsius lower temperatures than other enzymes. So most of these enzymes work at 70 degrees Celsius, whereas ours works at 50 degrees Celsius. So cool. It's so cool. So, so basically what they've done is they've, they've found a, something that's occurring naturally in nature. These um, Japanese researchers found in 2018, this bacteria that feeds off the plastic and uses the plastic as its food source and therefore breaks it down. And there's an existing enzyme in that reaction. But that process is happening really, really, really slowly. And the way that the enzyme is making it happen isn't quite right for what, what they want to do, which is completely break it down into its monomers. So they've engineered that existing enzyme in that reaction that's already happening to make it more appropriate for using on an industrial scale and and breaking down things into their monomers. And they've used AI to figure out how to engineer it, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. The other thing he said in there, which was um, I didn't know, was that, I mean, I kind of assumed that, he, that this was the only kid on the block, but he was kind of saying there are other people working on other enzymes oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that are doing this. I mean, yeah. the temperatures might be higher, so that means more energy, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, it's really interesting. It, was, it's, it feels genuinely... Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking, yeah, but also definitely. sort of world-saving. Definitely, yeah, hugely. Yeah, you're, you're right. There's, there's loads of different people looking at enzymes to break down PET, but there's also loads of other different enzymes. But yeah, this one as he was saying, is the fastest and, and the 50 degrees thing is huge because, as we were talking before, about plastic recycling processes are so energy intensive. Yeah. Making a 50 degree temperature is not that I think he said intensive. it wasn't actually the fastest, but there are other faster ones, but it's the lowest temperature. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because um, we're not really bothered about how fast we go, are we? I mean, maybe that means... Well, if you're doing it on a large scale, it's it's better if it's quicker, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, it's happening in days. A process that would normally take hundreds of years is now able to happen in days. Yeah, and also the, the speed at which the discoveries are being made. I mean, the fact that they only discovered this enz- naturally occurring enzyme in 2018 mm-hmm. and they've already re-engineered it and it's only 2022. 20 yeah, it's amazing. amazing. It's amazing. So your question this week. Mm. Can plastic eating enzymes save the planet? Well, it's early days, yeah. I would say. This research is quite new. Like you say, they only discovered that bacteria in 2018. So there are a few things that need to happen before we can say that this process of depolymerizing plastics with enzymes is actually going to solve our plastic waste crisis. We need to find solutions for all types of plastic. The UT Austin group seems to have cracked it for PET, but there are tons of other plastics still to figure out. And we also need to figure out how to do this on an industrial scale. That's the one thing you've, you've always got to remember about research like this. It's happening in a lab. Mm-hmm. It's not happening in a landfill site. And taking it from a lab to a landfill site, that's going to be a huge process that will take years but it's a super exciting time for this field of research like you say seems to be happening so quickly um and we could definitely see enzymes helping to break down our landfill sites around the world in the next few decades it's amazing that's really really cool yeah so yeah i think think we've answered the questions positively i know it's nice to have a positive answer isn't it very good and no none of this quantum mechanics vagueness nonsense (laughs) clear answer clear serious biology yeah Thanks for listening to Explaining Science to My Dad. And a massive thank you to Daniel Acosta from UT Austin for his expert support. Next episode, I'll be asking, why does cake taste so good if it's so bad for me? If you want to say hello, think you can help me answer one of our questions, or if you've got a question you want me to explain to Dad, you can always email us on explainingsciencetomydad at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter and Instagram using at dad. that's exp science number 2 dad. And you could subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Explaining Science to My Dad was presented by Lily Shepherd and Lloyd Shepherd with music from Benjamin Vise.